You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is June 15th, 2021. My name is Philip Ross. I'm the expert insight editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow me on Twitter at philiprr-omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, new coaching rumor. Ooh, ah, we'll talk about the latest coaching candidate that we'll interview with the Orlando Magic. Plus, we'll talk about the veterans on the team and who should stay and maybe who should go. How the Magic are going to supplement their roster with veterans. I'll go into some of the players on the Magic's roster and figure out which guys are worth keeping around. We'll get to all that coming up here in just a moment. But before we do any of that, I do remind you all to check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. By searching for every download podcast for Locked On in the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast here covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's podcasts covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. Want the lowdown on the LA Clippers after their big win? Check out Locked On Clippers. Want to look at the Atlanta Hawks after their win over the Philadelphia 76ers? Check out Locked On Hawks. No matter who your team is, whether it's in the NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, or College 2, there is a Locked On podcast for you. To search for every download podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for, the Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. So stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. The big news that came down over the wires on Monday was a fresh rumor, a fresh coaching rumor, coming from an untraditional source. So part of me was a little bit uncertain about it, but it did have a blue check mark, so I'm going to go with it. Fox Sports, a reporter from Fox Sports, is reporting that the Orlando Magic have asked for and received permission to interview Los Angeles Lakers assistant coach Jason Kidd. The immediate reaction to this news was a little bit of shock. Um, I did not have Kidd on my radar for a number of reasons. I'll get into some of them here. Um, the next reaction was, this is a bad idea. I don't like this, which I tend to agree with. Um, but undoubtedly, you know, I, I think what's important to remember at this, this point is something that I said yesterday when I, when I was starting to break down some of these early rumors. We are still in the early stage of the search. And the Magic are not in a position where they can leave any stone unturned. Jason Kidd is a coach who has experience. He's obviously got the ear of players. He's got the respect of players. That is not something you can ignore, despite some of the baggage that I'm going to go over here in just a moment. Jason Kidd is as qualified as anyone that the Magic are going to interview and bring in through this process, and it would behoove the Magic, it would be in their best interest to make sure that they review him and do their due diligence on him. There is no reason for the Magic to ignore a viable coaching candidate especially one who is coming off of winning a championship last year and one who does have some relationship with the Magic front office already. Jason Kidd's coaching history, of course, is very, very complicated, though. Um, he retired and almost immediately went to the bench, um, signing up as the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets in 2014. That was back when they had Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. After one year, though, it was clear that something was amiss. It felt, according to several reports, Kidd was trying to angle to push out longtime general manager Billy King and take over as both the coach and GM. He wanted more player personnel power. 
And when the Nets kind of snuffed that out and said, no, that's not how we're doing things, he left after one year to go to the Milwaukee Bucks. Even that, though, was filled with controversy. John Hammond, the Magic's current general manager, was the general manager of the Bucks at the time. And general manager for the Bucks is the guy in charge, whereas here it's the second second in charge. Um, the, John Hammond was in charge of the Bucks, but he did not hire Jason Kidd by all accounts. By all accounts, Kidd leveraged his friendship with uh, Mark Eatons and uh, our, our, with uh, with the Bucks ownership group with uh, Eatons and Lazary um, to get that head coaching job behind Hammond's back. And almost immediately, there was reporting, there was speculation that Kidd was trying to push Hammond out. Hammond only had one year left on his deal at the time. For the record then, Hammond was the general manager for three of Kidd's four years in Milwaukee before he eventually left, before the Bucks eventually let his contract expire and he eventually came to the Orlando Magic. Kid's record on the court. So there, there's, there's all that baggage off the court. There's all that baggage of, and I'm not even getting into the, the other part, which I'll mention here in a sec. Kid's baggage as a head coach has always been that he was always seeking more power within an organization. In fact, it was widely speculated that when Frank Vogel brought Jason Kidd on to be his assistant coach, his lead assistant coach, that Frank Vogel was sort of a figurehead that, and Jason Kidd would eventually become the head coach. That obviously didn't happen. The Lakers won the title. Everyone seems to be hunky-dory and happy. Kidd has shot down rumors at all fronts on this. Hammond shot down rumors at all fronts on this. This is all just rumor and speculation. Or as, as a certain podcast would say, it's all rumor and innuendo. Fortunately, I don't have uh, Bruce Pritchard here to make some funny Jason Kidd voice to, to, get, to, get, to get us through that. This is all to say, that's before we get to what happened on the court. On the court, Jason Kidd's record is also fairly spotty. In five years, or five seasons as a head coach, Jason Kidd took his team to the playoff three times. He won one playoff series with the Brooklyn Nets in his first year. But with Milwaukee, he only had two seasons with records better than 500 in his four there. He did leave with a record over 500, but we are not counting that. True. Jason Kidd took a team that had 15 wins and got them to 41 wins. Some of that, of course, was the emergence of Giannis Antetokounmpo. But the following year, they dropped back down to 21. As And he struggled to integrate Jabari Parker, who was the second pick, at the, second pick in the draft at the time, and yes, also was dealing with the ACL injuries. This is to say that while Jason Kidd had undoubted successes in Milwaukee, he also had a lot of failures. And eventually he was pushed out and the, and the Bucks sought a new voice because, quite simply, he wasn't meeting expectations. There were problems with his rotations. There were problems with the players that he, that he chose. There were problems with the defense, which was terrible at the time. You look at Milwaukee now, they are nothing like the team that Jason Kidd coached Um when he was there in the early part of Giannis's career. It really took Mike Budenholzer to unlock the Bucks' potential on both ends of the floor. I don't want to say that, that, you know, like, this isn't like Steve Clifford to me. Steve Clifford had a consistent track record, and you could point to injuries as a key reason why his team struggled, but they were always good at the same thing. Kids' teams 
don't have that kind of consistency. There are a lot of issues with the way that kids seem to handle his business. There are a lot of issues with the way that kids seem to integrate and operate his team that raise plenty of question marks. And it's one of the reasons why I'm not a fan of his. I don't think that he'd be a good fit for the Orlando Magic. I, I you know, I, I obviously you want a coach that's going to develop young players. Kid's track record of developing young players is okay. Obviously, Giannis turned into what he turned into, but Jabari Parker never did, and injuries played a role with that, of course. But um, it, it, I don't think that Jason Kidd is that kind of coach. Now, I will give Jason Kidd this much credit, and, and I will be willing to give this benefit of the doubt. For his first real jobs, his first stint, his first run as a head coach, he probably had to learn a lot of lessons. He probably had to be humbled a little bit. And I think working with Frank Vogel with the Lakers, where you know he's someone that LeBron respects, I think, working with the Lakers and being part of that organization and being part of a championship team very well might have given him the humility, very well might have given him more coaching experience to be more successful in his next job. So I, 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 I don't want to hold him solely to what he did in Milwaukee and what he did in Brooklyn. Very different situations, very different experience level for him. However, granted, he's only had two additional years of assistant coaching on top of his head coaching stint. But I will give him credit. When Damian Lillard said, I would I would like Jason Kidd to be my coach, that was a ready-made job for Jason Kidd. But Jason Kidd declined to be interviewed for the Portland job, thinking that it would be unfair to come in with that pressure of the star player saying, this is the guy I want. And of course, Lillard and Kidd have a relationship a little bit because they're both from Oakland. This is all to say again, like I've said with every coach, we don't always know what a coach is actually responsible for, what they're actually to blame for, and we don't always give credit to growth and positive development with these coaches and with these positions. Um, You know, could the Magic hire Jason Kidd and would he... Could he potentially be a coach that can take a team from infancy to championship? Sure. I do think that he has that in them. I do think that he has the ability to adapt and and certainly the experience to help teams grow through each stage. But is that the risk the Magic are willing to take? Are we simply hiring Jason Kidd because he is a name? Are we simply hiring him because of, of external factors? To me, if Jason Kidd is sitting in the room I want to know, A, what lessons did you learn from your first stint as a head coach? What did you learn from your championship run with the Los Angeles Lakers as an assistant coach? How would you compose your staff? How would you run your staff? And most importantly, how would you interact with the front office? Because that's the biggest question facing him. Personally, I was not impressed with the job that he did in Milwaukee. Um, I I would not put him in that grouping of coaches for the Magic to consider. I think that Jason Kidd might be a very good coach for kind of the team the Magic were three years ago um, with a budding star. I think that he can be a star whisperer in a lot of ways because of the relationship, because of the reputation that he has, that uh, that he gained as a player. But I don't think that's where this team is. I do want a, a, a head coach with some assistant coaching experience and some development experience. Because I think that's ultimately what this Magic team is going to need to get off to the start that they want to get to. I would be remiss if I didn't mention kind of the elephant in the room as well. 
the off-court issues do not just stem from his issues with management and his and his you know seeming you know desire to have more power within organizations. He did plead guilty to a domestic assault several years ago. Um, he was arrested for a DUI in you know a, around ten years ago. And while those are in the somewhat distant past, they are not things that we can ignore in the current climate either. It is not helping his resume at all. And it'd be I'd be remiss. You know, I don't want to hold him to that because obviously people grow, people learn, people get better, people, you know, and, and, and it seems like Kid has done all the work to make, a, to make amends for that. But still, it's on his resume. It's something that has to be at least talked about and acknowledged as well. Would Jason Kidd sell some tickets? Sure. For a team that's probably lacking a star, their coach would become the star. But to me, that smacks of moves the Magic made in the late 90s. When they hired Chuck Daly, when they hired Julius Serving, those were not moves designed to help the franchise get better as a basketball team. Those were moves designed to sell tickets. At the end of the day, the only thing that should sell tickets is winning. You win, the tickets will get sold. Do not worry about it. If Jason Kidd proves to be the man with the best ideas, with the best way to develop and build this roster, then hire him. Personally, I am extremely skeptical of it. We're going to talk a little bit more about a whole lot of things, about the veterans on the roster and a whole lot more, plus our Michelob Ultra Player of the Week coming up here in just a moment. Before we do that, though, no playoff coverage today, but our Road to the Finals playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. I've got a very, very special Player of the Week. Uh, player of the week here. Um, We'll get into that coming up here in just a moment. The player of the week is sponsored by Michelob Ultra. Remember, joy creates happiness, which creates enjoyment, which creates success. And it's only worth it if you enjoy it with 2.6 carbs and 95 calories Michelob Ultra helps joy create success because enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. Our Michelob Ultra Player of the Week is coming up right now. And it goes to everyone here in the city of Orlando. Um, I, I'm shoehorning this in because, yes, I'm, I'm required to do one of these segments. They, they pay for, for the ads. Um, and so if I'm being insensitive, I apologize for this. But um, our, our Player of the Week is the city of Orlando. Um, and and everyone who lives here and everyone who ha- calls this place home um, because this weekend, and, and I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about it in some way on this podcast, this weekend was a, a tough one for the city. Um, uh, Saturday was the five-year anniversary of the shooting at Pulse Nightclub. Um, it was, uh, Saturday was a moment of mourning, um, a morning, uh, a moment of reflection, uh, a moment, you know, honestly, of of some joy and some coming together, um, to to remember the forty nine angels um, who are who are unfairly and horrifically taken from us far before their time. Um, it's important to remember what those forty nine people were doing that night um, before tra- before. Uh, this horrific tragedy struck them, a tragedy that, that I think the city is still coming to grips with and still trying to 
figure out exactly why this happened um, and, 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 and how to make sure it doesn't happen again. Um, you know, I've, there have been mass shootings that have happened throughout the country and usually, you know, as the information comes in, the first thing publicly you see is from Mayor Buddy Dyer saying, you know, Orlando is here for you. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're unfortunately experts at this at this point. Unfortunately, everyone around the country is experts at this at this point. But I think it's really important to remember what those people were doing at Pulse that night. If you're, if you're not from Orlando or you're new to the city, Pulse nightclub was a safe haven. Um, it, is, it was one of the more uh, well-known and recognized LGBTQ bars uh, in, in, the, in the city, but you know it's not exclusive to LGBTQ people. Plenty of people who do not identify as LGBTQ, go to, went to Pulse because it was a safe space. It was a place where everyone was accepted and everyone could have a good time. Everyone could find their enjoyment, their happiness, their place among their peers, among their friends, or make new friends. It's, it's senseless to think why you know, someone would want to break that space that, that place of acceptance and welcoming. Because that's all anyone that, go, that went there wanted. Looking for, you know, whether it was a hard week and Saturday was the one respite that they got. That was the place they chose to go for their happiness, for their enjoyment. And for so many people in this city, that was a place that represented happiness. Represented a place to be yourself. Look, Undoubtedly, you know, and, and I think this is a great thing that's happened. The LGBTQ community is more accepted in general society than ever. Um, obviously, it has come with legal rights uh, that, you know, even a decade ago or, you know, more than a decade ago, were not, were unthinkable, but now are so common sense. And so, of course, everyone deserves the dignity of equal protection under the law. And, and certainly that is still a fight that is going on on several fronts with several people. But the LBGTQ community, which is where we will put our focus today, is undoubtedly gained wide acceptance in the broader culture. But it's still, unfortunately, a, a group that's under attack. And just like, you know, again, it's, it's, Pulse was a place that fought for acceptance. That, you know, I, I watched In the Heights this weekend and, and, for, and a quote that has stuck out to me. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, Jewish, white passing. You know, I'm not Hispanic. I'm not of that community. And, you know, I know, I know people who watched In the Heights and felt very moved by that movie and what it represented to have, you know, kind of the, a wider Latinx exper experience portrayed in a film like that. Um, but, you know, one of the characters in there, um, Abuela, Abuela Claudia, I believe is her name, um, tells one of the other characters, you know, it's, it's the little details that give us dignity. And Pulse was a place full of those little details for the LGBTQ community here in Central Florida, a marginalized community, um, a community that is still fighting for acceptance. I mean, a transphobic law, frankly, was passed in this state that everyone, everyone involved in sports told the governor, you do not need this law. This law is 
ask is trying to solve a problem that does not exist. It is simply red meat for a scared, ignorant base that has probably never met a person going through the struggles that a trans that a trans person is going through. And again, I apologize if my language is is incorrect there. I'm I'm personally I'm still learning a lot about this community, uh, and and we all need a little more exposure to this community. But Pulse was a place where people could find that dignity, could find themselves, even if it's just for a little moment, before they have to put those masks back on and head back into society and perhaps hide a little bit of who they were and who they are. It is still tragic that that place was taken from us. But if there's one thing that I think we've learned about this city and the character of this city, and one thing that I think was on display as the city came together to mourn over the last few weeks um, is that Pulse did not extinguish that flame. Yes, we lost 49 beautiful people. There are 49 fewer of our brothers and sisters, our fellow residents of Orlando with us today. But it did not extinguish what Pulse meant. If anything, it allowed that love to spread. And I know that's no solace to anyone who did lose someone or was wounded in the shooting. But Orlando showed its, its true colors in the aftermath and continues, in my opinion, to show those true colors. How we come together, how we, how we are there for each other no matter who they are. No matter what their race is, no matter what their gender is, no matter what their sexual orientation is, no matter what their gender identity is, no matter what any of those stupid labels that society tells us we have to have, we're there for each other in our moment of need. And, you know, it, it's especially fitting that this comes now as we're beginning to exit this pandemic, this, this time where... The best way for us to be to help us stay together is to be apart. To protect each other, to do what's right for other people, we had to be apart. But now we're coming out of that. Now we are coming together. Now we are able to be with our loved ones. We've done the work. Gotten ourselves vaccinated, hopefully. And put ourselves in a position to get back to something resembling normal life. I remember in, in, in the weeks after the Pulse shooting, Orlando City was in season and they were the first team that had this large public gathering um, of the city. And, and, and what Orlando City did that day in 2016 was such a great tribute uh, and such a needed moment of mourning. Um, I was at that game at the Citrus Bowl um, and it was absolutely beautiful. I will never forget that. And I think it's fitting that, yes, as we're coming together again, as the city is coming together again, it'll happen once again at Exploria Stadium. June 20th, the Orlando Pride, will, who are in first place, by the way, in the NWSL, will be open to full capacity. Uh, and and, and that, that will be the first game open to full capacity. Unfortunately, uh, you know, I think... You know, people haven't discovered the Pride quite yet. Definitely do. They're fantastic. They're an absolutely fun team to watch. 
But June 22nd, not only is NBA Draft Lottery Night, it will also be the first night that Exploria Stadium will be open to full capacity for Orlando City games. And it will just be good to be together again. I said this as the season came to a close. I said this as the season came to a close. I cannot wait to be back in the Amway Center with all the Magic fans. Um, It is something I am looking forward to. Because being together is so important. And if, if there is a legacy that can come from what happened five years ago, it is that it brought this city closer together. It galvanized the forces that make this city great and that make the people in this city great. And it's still good to see them going strong once again. We'll talk a little bit about the veterans uh, on the Magic roster and who stays and who goes coming up here in just a moment. We do have to read some copy. I know it's a weird transition, so I'm going to just rip the Band-Aid off and, and, and do it that way. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. You can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. For the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus using the promo code Locked On. That's a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Today's podcast also brought to you by RockAuto.com. It's the rainy season in here in Central Florida. It is already starting to rain every afternoon. I'm in my car a whole lot more. Not able to walk around as much. Don't want to get caught in the thunderstorms. But between the heat and the rain, your car takes a beating. So if you take care of your car yourself, get it ready with parts from rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for the last 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. You have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Getting back to the Orlando Magic to close out today's show. Um, one of the big issues that, that I think we're all sensing coming from this team is that they are exceedingly young. Um, and, and, and even so, like going down the roster, it's already a full roster. I mean, take, take, just, just count it out with me. Before we even get to the draft picks, Markel Fultz, um, Gary Harris, Jonathan Isaac, Chuma Okiki, Wendell Carter, that's just, Fine starting five. Cole Anthony, RJ Hampton, Terrence Ross, Mo Bamba. That makes nine off the bench. Nine players off the bench. And then two draft picks makes 11. Now, Steve Clifford was pretty strict about doing a nine-man rotation. 
Maybe that consideration is out the window. Maybe we'll see 10, maybe 11-man rotation now. But there are already 11 players that the Magic are going to be pretty determined to play. I didn't even get to, you know, Terrence Ross and Gary Harris were the only veterans I really listed there. Didn't get to Dwayne Bacon, who, you know, we'll talk about here. Didn't get to Michael Carter-Williams. Didn't get to James Ennis. There is a roster crunch here. And that's not even considering the second round pick the Magic have, the 33rd pick, overall pick in the draft. There is a roster crunch here on this team. And so I would expect that the Magic are not done making some moves. That the Magic will clean up their roster a little bit to to make sure that everyone that they want to play actually can play. uh, And to actually add some veterans to that group to give the support that they need. Right now, I don't see the Magic moving Gary Harris or Terrence Ross. I think both those guys are pretty safe. Um, they, they've both, you know, they're both pretty well-known commodities. You know, they'll shop them around, I think, but unless there's a deal that they really like that brings in a player that they feel will really help them, I don't know if they'll deal them. I think there's a better chance they deal Dar- Terrence Ross in the offseason. Probably a better chance, probably even better chance that, that one or two of them are gone by the trade deadline. So um, I, think that, I think that they're relatively safe. But what about those end-of-bench guys? What about those guys coming off the bench, those veterans that 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 would provide a lot of stability to the team? Look, say what you want about a lot of these players. They had good years. Dwayne Bacon averaged a career high in points this year. Playing in all 72 games, he averaged uh, what was it? He averaged 10.9 points per game, shot, you know, decently from the field, 44.3% effective field goal percentage. And while we all acknowledge he has some issues, he had a good year. Now, Bacon, I don't think will be back. Um, I think that that's his style of play. He's you know, very much an on-the-ball guy, trying to score the ball, not really doing much to help others. I, I think that the Magic were hoping just he would fill minutes at the end of the bench. They weren't thinking that they'd have to rely on him for 50-plus starts this year, for 50 starts this year. So Bacon, I don't think, is going to be back. But Michael Carter-Williams and James Ennis, I think, present much different pictures. Michael Carter-Williams played in 31 games, starting 25 of them. Averaging 8.8 points per game, 4.5 rebounds per game, and 4.2 assists per game. It was largely a very good year for Michael Carter-Williams when he was on the floor. Carter-Williams, what he gives you is a little bit of an edge. And I think the Magic need a veteran kind of ball handler with all the young point guards that they have. I, I think that that's one area where the Magic do need to make sure that they have a veteran player kind of guiding the team in the right way. Carter-Williams, I think, is the kind of guy that just makes everyone a little bit better. Now, stats don't jump off the page. He's not a great shooter, only 41.7% effective field goal percentage, 24.6% from beyond the arc. Not a great shooter, not much of an offensive player, but he's going to get after you defensively. He's going to set the tone on that end, kind of show you the right way, give the team a little bit of a physical edge, which they desperately needed, which is something that helped them in 2019, certainly helped them in 2020, and would have helped them this year. Look, Michael Carter-Williams' biggest um, thing last year was he wanted to play all 72 games, and he was bitterly disappointed that he was unable to do so. His injuries hurt the team. But when he was in the games, when he played in those games, he was really, really, really valuable. James Ennis is much the same way. James Ennis averaged 8.4 points per game, played 41 games this season, shot 47.3% from the floor, 56.6% effective field goal percentage, making 43.3% of his three-pointers. I'm sorry, with how bad this team is at shooting, you cannot ignore someone who shot that well. Steve Clifford said throughout the early parts after they acquired Ennis that he thought Ennis was a really good shooter and he just needed the rhythm of, of his shot down. 
He found it for much of this season, and it was super valuable. The Magic were a better team with James Ennis on the floor because of the stability he provides. He's not taking shots from anyone. He'll get. He'll take an open shot when he gets it. He plays smart defense. Playoff teams need guys like James Ennis, and the Magic were certainly bet going or trying to benefit from him. Injuries plagued him throughout the year too, from the very start of the year, and so he was always in and out of the lineup. Did not have a great year. He is a free agent this this summer. And it certainly looks like Ennis is looking for long-term security. If the Magic are willing to give him a three-year deal, which I don't think they are, then he will probably stay. Then, then he might stay. But he wants long-term stability. He's bounced around the league a lot. He's looking for a long-term contract. Whether he can get it or not is another question. I think James Ennis will find value on a playoff team. I don't think he'll be back. So out of those three guys, I think Michael Carter-Williams is the only one that will be back. And unless the Magic acquire a veteran point guard elsewhere... I see no reason why the Magic should trade Michael Carter-Williams. He's got one year left on his deal. He'll still have some value on the trade market. Again, very small contract, but still some value. And I think he provides a ton of value in the locker room. If I'm the Magic, I keep Michael Carter-Williams. Um, I, I, if I'm the Magic, my veteran moves this offseason as I keep Michael Carter-Williams and I seek a veteran big man, a veteran center or power forward type to bring onto the roster. Um, those are the kind of two big moves that I think the Magic should make in free agent or kind of in the offseason. Keep Michael Carter Williams, you know, good veteran point guard. You know, if you make a trade, you make a trade, but keep Michael Carter Williams and bring in a veteran center to help this team out and help their depth uh, up front, um, especially if you don't quite trust Mo Bamba. So a lot of that's going to depend on the draft. A lot of that's going to depend on how things shake out there. We'll know a lot more about that in a week. Um, and we'll be able to plan the Magic summer out a little bit more. But that's that's kind of where I stand with the veterans at this point. That's going to do it for me today, though. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Search or TuneIn, Himley, Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, and all the films in all the podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. Be sure while you're there to check out the Locked on Today podcast. Today on the Locked on Today podcast, the Nets are down to one star. Can Kevin Durant lead them past the Milwaukee Bucks? Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked on Today podcast. Follow the Locked on Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at R underscore MD. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow us there on Twitter at omagicdaily. That's good to do it for me, though. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Crossman. We'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic.